Welcome to Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry discussing the greatest movies of all time and all the new films in theaters and streaming that you need to know about. Like us, rate us, share us. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry. All right, we're back with another edition of Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry in the first weekend of June talking about the greatest movies of all time. And we're actually going to talk about the greatest movies of 25 years ago later on in the show. We'll go back to our favorite films of 1997. Got some great movie news in there mixed in as well and a whole heck of a lot of fun. Uh, let's bring him in right now, our good buddy Chuck Curry. Chuck, oh, a second weekend with Top Gun Maverick and another successful week. Let's talk about how the money keeps raking in movies and audiences, money and audiences. Uh, I, it, say. I mean, it's done very well. I mean, uh, last week, opening weekend, $156 million. That is a new record for Memorial Day, four-day weekend, uh, post or pre-pandemic. Biggest hit in the career of Tom Cruise. Sort of hard to believe in retrospect when I look that he never had a movie that made more than $64 million in its opening weekend. I, I can't believe that. Yeah, well, when we went through those movies that. a couple of weeks ago, I mean, it was, I mean, if outside of the Mission Impossible movies, a lot of movies that he's done and made a lot of money, big word of mouth yeah. movies and kind of got momentum. Right. And, they you went know. on over time. Yeah. And he's done great movies. I mean, uh, what what I find interesting here in a, in a really good way, and you said when you, you saw it, it was shocking. You were shockingly surprised how good it was. Shockingly the terrific, I called it, show, yeah. The will, yes. The word of mouth on this movie is absolutely terrific. Yeah. Meaning it's going to have legs. There's nothing major open this weekend, which is good for Top Gun. Sort of sad in a way because, and I'm going to talk about it when we, 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 when we get into the show, some of the, this day in movie history, open this day in movie history. And, you know, there was a point in time where now that it's summer, and I got to tell you, I know I'm, I'm, I'm uh, a little bit, um, reeling out here but here's the thing i just was out right on a basketball court with my daughter i live in strauss pennsylvania right it's like degrees, and it's when it's sunny and people are out but it still doesn't feel normal to me i, I cannot explain it like it just every everything we knew post-covid to now in my opinion you may you may feel different in indiana but i don't know it just seems different and i just i i miss two good movies every week now that we used I, to have two movies ever at least every week if not three and now like we said last week we're getting you know one big one every few weeks now this friday we get the rollout of jurassic world dominion and what i hate about this is that i've i found out the other day that it's already opened up internationally it's made like 45 45 million dollars it's open in korea and a few other markets and i'm like screw you universal like why did you do that that, I don't know that if it's well. That's happened before. That, 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 that's me. happened. That I, happened pre-COVID too. That's happened before. I mean, the movies I, get released. I, I, I know. I know it's happened. Not, not with Jurassic Park movie though. I don't think with a Jurassic Park movie. It just feels like why are they doing that? They're so greedy to roll it out before it. it it's U.S. and Canada, really. Yeah, I listen. Um, I don't know the reasons why. To be honest with you, I don't know they why got they got an embargo it. on the U.S. They got an. They they definitely do have an embargo on the U.S. reviews because there's like four reviews in, on Rotten Tomatoes, and they're all from Spain. Right. <laughs> Three are positive. <laughs> one one is negative. So so Universal Lobby got that got the embargo. It's not letting critics here roll out their reviews yet. Now we're we're 
six days away. I, I would I would have loved to see, you know, Top Gun confidence where, you know, a month before they're saying we got a really good film here. Here's our reviews. Does Top Gun's it. explosion help hurt this movie at all? I think it does a little, yes. I, I, no, I, I would have I said that Jurassic World Dominion had completely set a few weeks ago, but I, I do think the popularity and the critical acclaim, the word of mouth of Top Gun will take a, a, not a lot, but it will take a little air out of the sales here. Now, if this opens to Midland Reviews, I think that would be problematic, no doubt about it. Well, this will not survive like Jurassic Park 3 did back in the day with Midland Reviews. It won't. It'll I have, just think, yeah, I think that I think the pedigree is better for this one than the third one of that one. I just think that there's, you know, the original director's back. It's got everybody in the cast. I don't think the. I think it actually will do better with middling reviews than the third one would. It's not, and it's well over two hours. It's not a ninety-minute film. They're just rushing out there. I, I you know, I, I'd be shocked. I if, hope it's good. Yeah, I hope it's good too. I'd be shocked if it wasn't. I mean, the trailers look good. It looks like there's a lot of action and every character's in it. It'd be hard to screw this up if you really think about it, um, uh, especially with the, all the cast back. Um, uh, let me ask you this, um, Maverick, yeah. two, Maverick 2, when do we start hearing about this? As of right now, there's no plans. Look, I got to be honest with you. I don't want to see a sequel. Could they make I a Maverick 2 with, with just Miles Teller? Now, they could. Of course they could. Straight yeah, to Hulu. Straight, could. straight to Hulu. Uh, I, oh, stop with this! <laughs> stop with, please. I'll disconnect my line in a second if you keep going here. No, I don't want to see that. So, oh, here's um, another thing. Just well, they did. They did continue to, to make, but I guess my point was they did. You know, Rocky Balboa. We compared yeah. it to that movie right last week. And they yes, did. And they did come back with Creed and and continued the character. Like those movies for me. Yeah, but they did continue. Yeah. Uh, Rocky's story in Creed so feasibly um, the success of this movie begets another movie I mean it, studios don't just ignore this and, and walk away uh, agree they'll want another one yeah now the question is now now, now listen here's the deal N knowing how uh, open that Tom Cruise is to popping out Mission Impossible movies all the time I why don't see he, why he wouldn't be open. I mean, why if wouldn't he be, yeah. check, If they're going to write a blank check to him, he, he, he seems to like blank checks, right? He does. So, yeah, I, I'm assuming he'll be open to it. It's going to take time because these are extensive movies. Well, and, he, and and his other two Mission Impossible movies, it's still taken another two or three years for all of them to come out. So uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, so if you're asking me, what are the what are the, what are the odds of a man? Yeah, give me the odds. I'd say uh, – I say uh, 70%. Well, let's talk about another thing that, that got your goat this last week. And I can't say that I blame you, but I can't say that I'm surprised Disney's not rolling it out this way. But the trailer for Pinocchio came out um, with the release date of mm -hmm. September 8th of this year on Disney Plus Day. So it will get released on Disney Plus instead of in theaters on September 8th. Stars Tom Hanks. I mean, it looks like something that would make a lot of sense. Holiday season, big theaters, all this kind of stuff. Um, but yet we're going to get it in the beginning of September, right around, right after why? Labor Day. So tell me why, why, why it makes so much sense to put this in the theater, knowing, knowing that people will go to theaters for quality. We see this, this is, listen, Top Gun Maverick is a game changer in my opinion, because 
for, for multiple reasons. It shows that people are going to go to the movies when they want to go to the movies, especially right. this demographic, right? Right. Okay, so you got that. You knock that ball down. Okay, you knock that pin down with the ball. So here's the second, se second obstacle is it showed that the audience does not want to just see one type of movie, which is a superhero movie. They want to see something nostalgic, nostalgia works. Right? So we both said watching Top Gun Maverick in the theater was like watching something in the 80s, except more high tech with the effects, right? Yeah. And we both agree that if you're more diverse in product line and, and, and give people more of what they had in the 80s and 90s, a diversity that you're going to reinvigorate box. You're going to, re you people were going to go, are going to go back to the movies. I have absolutely no doubt now, but here's the thing. Again, what do the studios want? Do they really want that? I don't know. I'm, I'm not sold on that reality yet. I don't know exactly what they want. Well, keep in mind too, just Dis Disney plus in really with Tom Hanks as Geppetto, uh, with Robert Zemeckis, the director of polar express. Yeah. Forrest Gump back to the future straight to Disney plus. Like you're you're leaving you're you're leaving a potential billion dollars in box on the table. You're leaving it on the table. Why would they do that? And I don't think uh, that this Disney Plus. I don't think this is going to be a premium price too. I think this is going to be. You can watch it on Disney Plus if you subscribe. It sounds that way. Um, and you know they've it got Marvel. They've got Star Wars. They've got Pixar. I mean. They're going to release other stuff on September 8th as well. You just kind of figure that that's going to be the case. So, because um, they made a big deal out of Disney Plus Day last year. Um, yeah, Disney Plus Day, September 20, September 8th, 2022. So, we'll take a look at that. Why Chuck, would they uh, the only other I thing mean, I, I had is. I know we beat, let me just say this. Why would they beat, why would they bank on the potential or the possibility of theaters completely going away? Not that it'll happen but why would they why would they dance that tightrope wouldn't it be in their interest to get the theaters healthy i just honestly this is beyond for i cannot figure this out i cannot uh well and you know it you know it's funny we're approaching our 300th episode and i happen to be listening to an old maybe five years ago uh but i hate to tell you this chuck but prior to covid you were bitching and moaning about how studios don't believe in the smaller films anymore on four releases on a, so, I mean, although it seems like a COVID trend, this was a trend uh, with streaming that studios were heading down. Um, COVID just kind of stepped on the gas pedal, probably a little, yeah, a little um, harder. I disagree. Um, the only other thing I saw Chuck is that there is a script for national treasure three Bruckenheim Bruckheimer's putting yep. it together. And he says he does want Nick cage back in it. I think this is a great feasibility and, and, and a good sign that Nick might be back. I hope so. I mean, listen, I don't think the project's as viable as a Top Gun movie, but there'll be interest. And, um, and it's again, it's, it's a different type of popcorn movie. So good. I like it. I don't think it, uh, I don't think the unbearable with the new movie he did really, um, brought him back chuck i don't think it's really done no. anything much for his career although he got on some maybe talk shows the, in, 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 maybe maybe inside the inside industry, the industry yeah little. that's what i was going to say i mean maybe a yeah. little more uh, legitimacy inside and i did see that dermot mulroney is going to be in scream six no word on who he's going to play but boy they keep churning these things out too when i mean oh. I, it, it's not like the last one caught on chuck and i mean everybody's like Oh my God! Give me another murder mystery with the with the mask and all that stuff. I it must be low costs and high pro, high profile for them to keep making this movie. I agree. 
I, I think they're keeping the budget down and, and it, and it, uh, they, they know it'll be profitable. It is, it is some sort of a brand, uh, that they can cash in on. Uh, before we get to, um, other, uh, stuff, and I know you've got some, this date movie history you want to get to, yeah, I do. uh, let, let's do that first. Uh, what do you got? Uh, June 1st, this week in uh, movie history, 1990 total recall hits theaters same year die hard too. I got to tell you what I remember seeing a total recall first day, uh, King's Plaza movie theater, Brooklyn, New York. First half of that movie, I thought was just as good as any action movie I've ever seen. I mean, as a whole, I really like it. I still really like it. I think it was Arnold's most likable role other than, you know, along with probably kindergarten cop, but, uh, Paul Verhoeven, very director, Sharon Stone, really good. Some great one liners, um, high concept at its best, even though the second half, I think, has some some issues. But the first half is just an absolutely perfect roller coaster ride of, of pure excitement. I'm a big fan. Yeah, once he goes to Mars, it kind of loses a little steam, but it, it is great. I remember, it's a great sci-fi film, too. It's really good. There's no doubt about it. And the remake is horrendous. I won't even talk about it. Je- uh, June 3rd, 1987. Uh, the Untouchables opens in theaters. Brian De Palma's Untouchables, Kevin Costner, Sean Conn. We, we've touched base many times in this show. Um, easily one of the best films of the 1980s down. Okay. So you're bringing up dates that we about movies that we've already talked about. Give me something that we haven't talked about, Chuck. Okay. 19, uh, uh, June 3rd, 1983, Psycho 2 hits theaters. I'm a big fan. And... Uh, Fright Night also. Uh, no, that's too uh, young. No, that's too Fright young. Night. It's Fright a War Night. Games. War Games Tom, comes out. Yeah, Tom Tom Holland wrote the script. The site. Tom, War Games, correct. War Games '83. I remember seeing War Games at the Kingsway uh, in in Brooklyn with a packed house. One of my all time favorite movies. Top ten movie of all time. There's no doubt about it. Uh, it's fantastic uh, film. Now, Chuck, uh, I, I gave Chuck some you know kidding off the air that this is basically the same you know, segment that I've created that we've done every week now that basically he's just going through years that you can't pick now, Chuck, when we do, you know, the way back machine, when I say, mm-hmm. give me a year. And then I just tell you what came out. You're basically doing that right now. Okay. <laughs> Understood. Do you have any, do you have any other movies that came out um, this year, this week? <laughs> no, I do, I, I do not. I, well, not. No, I got one bit of movie news, though. What do you got? I, one bit of movie news. Disney D- Disney did announce that Doctor Strange in, in the Multiverse of Madness will premiere on their streaming at Disney on uh, June 22nd. So I saw that, yeah. You're talking about a, what, 60-day 60 60 day turnover. Not a long time. Yeah, but it, it, it made its keep. It's not like it didn't make money, right? No, I, it did it did. I mean, it's not like it's going to make more money than it already made. Why did, why did you th- I know. You, I get it. I get it. And it's fine. But why, why, why not 90 days? Why do they need, why they stick? I just don't, I don't know. I, because I would guess, I'm just guessing the returns on receipts at movie theaters for a Dr. Strange and it's 90th day in the movie. It's just not if for them. It's like, well, we're not gaining anything. Let's, you know, no, 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 I get it, but but my, my point is, why not create a little bit of anticipation on streaming? It feels right. like just like it feels like a, a, a train, right? A train that stays on the same track. Take the train off the track, give it a little height, right? 
yeah, a, a little promotion and then stream stream it. I don't know. Like, to me, that just seems like a better marketing strategy for me. You're probably I right. I, really, I, I don't know. They, yeah, they, they can't help themselves. No, they can't. They can't. Um, they've got other products to promote and do and, and all this other stuff. There's no doubt about it. Um, all right, Chuck, outside of the three years that you picked, you get to pick another year. And I tell you what came out on the weekend of June 6th in the year that you pick. So try to pick something that, you know, wouldn't be on your list. Uh, 1999. 1999. All right. We're going to go back in 1997 in a couple of minutes here and talk about um, our favorite movies of 1997. But back on June 6th, it's actually the weekend of June um, 11th we're going to go to. Uh, here's what was out in theaters, Chuck. A movie called Instinct with uh, Anthony Hopkins and Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, not many people saw. The Buena Vista Social Club also came out. The sequel to a movie we're going to probably talk about in a little bit. Austin Powers came out, Chuck. The Spy Who Shagged Me. Um, with the, This one's with Heather Graham. Um, I like it. It's funny. Like it. Yeah, very funny movie. Uh, this is the one we did as Fat Bastard, right? I think that's the, the villain in this one. And then Gold Members, the third one, right? So I'm, yes, I'm just trying to correct. get my villains here. Um, also, you got your villains, out and <laughs> we had a Walt Disney movie called Tarzan come out, Chuck, as well. So those were your movies this week, June 6th. Uh, that's what you were going to go to the theaters to see. And, 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 you know, with all due respect of us bitching and moaning about movies that are out now, outside Austin Powers, there really wasn't much to see no, in I, theaters. I agree. So, you know, Star Wars, this was the year of Star Wars Episode One. So that was playing in theaters. The Phantom Menace was out. So a lot of people were probably still, you know, a lot of studios were probably scared of that. And one of your let favorite, you one of your favorite let movies me, was in theaters. Not, Notting Hill was in theaters. It came out. I in love Notting Hill. Hill. Yeah. The, the release of Phantom Menace in 99. Yeah. Saw it at midnight. What did, what, did, what, what did that, what did that do going forward for the franchise in terms of its, its legacy and, and um, its perception overall. I mean, I know some fans of it. Um, I, I, I think it, I, you, you remember know. the Harry. You remember you remember the Harry Knowles ain't a cool news story, don't? Do you remember that? Uh, refresh my memory. Okay, what happened is he has his site, which used to be really popular, before he got into uh, just crazy, um, crazy mess in his personal life. But he 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 had um, he got a he got a a screener to watch that movie in a hotel room and he watched it on a, probably a, a not a good copy and he gave it an absolute rape. Right. And when people went to see the movie, it was like, they were expecting because he had power at that. His, his voice. He, did, yeah, he had power. So, yeah. So when people, so when people went to see it, they were expecting something super good and they didn't get that. No, I don't think that movie's terrible personally. I think Attack of the Clones is much, much worse than Phantom Menace. Um, that's my opinion. The problem said that Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks. If he doesn't have Jar Jar Binks in that film, I think it might be uh, it might be a little bit better. Jar Jar Binks. The fact that the little kid is Anakin. I, it just there's so many things wrong with the film. It's over. You know, it, it's over CGI. It's it. You know. Oh wait, big time! All, all, all three of them were. All three of them were just CGI. way over CGI'd. Um, I did like Darth Maul. I did like you know Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor. Darth Maul's great in that yeah. movie. That 
that whole sequence is awesome. It, it just goes to show you where a fan probably should have directed that movie like they did with the third sequel, with the third trilogy, not George Lucas, where nobody could tell him, George, the world's different now. You got to take a step back. Nobody cares about politics in in a, in a Star Wars movies. And, you know, when you're talking about general counsels and, you know, all these characters, it, it's just mind boggling where the first Star Wars is good versus bad. Basic, basics, likes, likable categories. And they're not bored. And they're not bored. The, the original trilogy, there's no boredom in there's it. There's no boredom at all. But it's, in the, it's, it's, some of it's so boring. That's the yeah, problem. It's just bad. And the characters, he just misses a beat in the characters. He's trying too hard um, to, to develop likable characters like Yoda and, and Lando and all these other characters. It's just, it's not easy to do it. That's what it goes to show you. It, it what it's what he captured with the first trilogy. That ain't easy, and uh, no, because they call they call that lightning in a bottle. Right? Yeah, movie yeah. magic, movie yeah, magic, movie is magic. rarity is very special, and when you get it, you gotta appreciate it. Yep, no doubt about it. Chuck, let's go through, through some movie magic here with uh, Fast Five. I give you five actors or actresses. You tell me the first movie that pops to mind. Um, I'll give you a relatively easy one, not a big movie star, but Dennis Haysbert has a signature role. Uh, he's, uh, he would have been 60. He is 68 years old this weekend, believe it or not. Well, he's the president in 24. Yeah. First year, yeah. first season, right? First couple yep. seasons. Yep. He's great. He's just unbelievable. Um, and I would say a lot of people, and I, I'm one of them, Serrano in major league. It, 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 it's legitimate. Yeah, he's he's good, very right? funny in that. Um, uh, and he's done some great work around in and around. He's in heat. If you remember too. But I got to tell you, you know, as, as obviously as iconic as Keith Sutherland is, as Jack Bauer in that TV show, his bird, his chemistry and his command in that role in the first in the 24, it's a huge reason it was so successful. Creative. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and people, people yeah. forget this was before Obama. You know, he it legitimately when him getting cast in that role was a bit of a controversy. I mean, he was the first black president oh, ever. You know, I, even before silly. Morgan Freeman. And yeah, Deep I Nicholas, agree. You know? So it was a big deal that he got cast, and boy, is he really good in it. And as much as Jack Bauer is is keeper signature, I think I I have a hard time seeing Dennis Haybert Haysbert as anything else but the pre- even in those insurance commercials, all that stuff. I just think of twenty four every time I see him. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, I think it's a good thing if you're a character actor like that, that can just live in the lexicon of, of uh, TV world. Another guy who is a great character actor, Chuck, Paul Giamatti is uh, 55 years old this weekend. I just watched Save It Private Ryan over Memorial Day weekend. And boy, is it such a great movie. And he's got a little role in it that's quite good. Um, and shame I, on, I think that movie, shame I, actually, I actually think right. Saving... I actually think it gets better and better over time. It really does. It really, it's timeless. The movie it's a is timeless. It's timeless. It's a classic. I'm going to go back to where he started. Uh, pig vomit. I love me some private parts with the Howard Stern. Yeah, I pig mean, vomit. That movie, you know, for a guy who did one movie, Howard Stern, he did a great movie. Yeah, he nailed it. Um, and, of course, he's good in The Gingerbread Man, too. He and got a He's so funny in that movie. He is. He's great. He's over the top. He's perfect in that movie. Uh, Paul Giamatti. It's real good stuff. There's no doubt about it. Um, and he's good in San Andreas, your favorite movie of all time, too. He's it, The good thing about Giamatti is that he's in a movie like that, but he really gives it his all like it's a serious movie. Um, of course. And it, listen, he elevates everything he's in. He's a about, great uh, character actor. How about Bruce Dern, Chuck? Uh, 86 years old. He's had a few careers. I, I remember in Black Sunday as one of the, you know, the bad guys. I, I was going to say Black Sunday. 
I remember the first movie, first Alfred Hitchcock movie my mother ever took me to see was Family Plot. Yeah. He, he was also effective in The Burbs with Tom Hanks. He's funny in that. Yeah, um, and that has a huge cult following. It does. It does. And, he, you know, he got the other... He got that Academy nom- uh, nomination for Nebraska too a few years back. That, that's a pretty good movie. Yeah, and that's good to see. Angelina Jolie. He's, Chuck, he's is forty-seven. Um, it's hard, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know, Mister. Mrs. Smith. I mean, listen. I I, I got to be honest with you. Like, I, I find her. Uh, she's a really interesting person. Um. I think on screen, on the big screen, she's one of the most beautiful actresses I've ever seen on the big screen. I can't tell you I'm I'm a huge – like I can't say like, oh, it's an Angelina Jolie movie. I can't wait to see it. But she's definitely a really interesting talent. Yeah, I mean – I mean the Lara Croft films too. I mean didn't catch on like they had hoped. Um, was that Girl Interrupted? She got a lot of great praise for that. I, I, I'll give her that one yes. um, for sure. Um, and last but not least, Chuck, and we talk about this a lot. Mark Wahlberg, when he's in a bad movie, he seems really bad, but he does he does make more good movies than bad movies. So when he's in a really good movie, he is over the top great, and he's been nominated for two actors. You, Mark Wahlberg, what's the first thing you think of? Departed is his is his best acting. It really is. It's fantastic. Now we'll talk about another movie of his, and the movie's in 1997. But boy, he's really good in that. And I know you're not a fan of the fighter. But, you know, a lot of people give all the credit to Christian Bale in that film. I think he's every bit as good um, in that film. And another movie you and I both love, and that's Patriot's Day. Maybe one of the most underwatched, patriotic, great movies of all time that somehow got lost in the shuffle. I Um, I completely agree with you. I mean, he is so good in that film. And and, I know you're a fan fan of uh, Ted as well. Uh, I love me some Ted. Uh, I find that movie side split, splittingly funny. I watched it with my daughter actually, and we we were we. I mean, I know she was young; she was like fourteen. We we were we were lot laughing till we couldn't laugh anymore. Yeah, it's a funny movie. Um, and of course, I think he's really good in his first real film, and that's Fear. I think he's a real good villain in that. He never really played villain after that. Um, once his career exploded, but if you want to see a creepy. Marky Mark, Fear, and I just rewatched The Perfect Storm about a week or so ago, Chuck, and all due respect to all the other actors in that film, he carries it as, just as well as anybody else, and that's a fantastic, heart-wrenching film. Did he, uh, early on in his career, did he go by Marky Mark in the credits, or was it Mark Wahlberg? No, it was, Mark, it was always Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, he, he never went by Marky oh, Mark. Okay. Um, but his, right. his relationship with, with uh, Diane Lane is the, the heart and soul of that movie. Um, and never lets down, never, ever lets down. Um, and I know you, I know you loved his turn in the, 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 the apes movie. You thought he was great in that. Um, no, every, every bit as good as Char- every good as every bit as good as Charlton Heston in the planet. Yeah, he, a little off the mark, a little off the mark there. Oh, hey, nice pun. That was bad casting. Right. Yeah. The right casting would have been George Clooney by James Cameron. That would have been the right casting. Yeah. It was miscast and misdirected that. Yeah. Well, it's time for Chuck and I to go back 25 years and count down our 10 favorite movies from the year 1997. And Chuck, you were talking off the air. What a great movie. What a great movie year. A great, I'd say a great year for action movies. If you really want to take a look at, and you know, 
even one of the better James Bond movies that just missed my list, Tomorrow Never Dies. You know, it was a top five money making movie. And that's a real good one with Pierce Brosnan and Michelle Yeoh. I think Jonathan Price is the villain in that one. But there's a yeah. really, a, you know, Men in Black was released that year. A lot of good action movies, including some of the ones that are going to be in our top 10 here. And that's the first thing that obviously it's not going to be a great mystery what our favorite movie here of all time is. But that's half an action movie, too. A movie that made over one billion dollars worldwide. Um, and that's Titanic. But, you know, that's the first thing that jumped off the page was how many really good action movies there were. There were uh, a lot of quality, a lot of the box office, a lot of memories of me seeing a lot of these films in the theater. And um, a lot of star power, too. Said, a lot of star power. Um, yes. Sure. It, uh, the industry was very different. Yeah. The very healthy the industry was. And, you know, when a movie like Titanic can blow away gum with the wind, you know, they're doing something right. And, and, and it's well deserved. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Chuck. Let me go through my 10 through six and let me know your thoughts on the first five movies on my 10 favorite from 1997. I put contact at number seven, Chuck, just barely inching out LA confidential, which was highly praised and a really good movie. But for some reason I like contact a little bit more with Robert Zemeckis as director. Um, a movie has a lot of heart and a great star turn by uh, Jody Foster. Um, I, I really enjoy that movie a lot at number nine. The, the one comedy that made my list and in and out was almost on my top 10, but I had to give it to Austin Powers only because of the staying power and what it introduced us to a great character, a funny comedy with Mike Myers and a real, real, really funny series of films. But it was the original uh, with him and Elizabeth Hurley and just a heck of a lot of fun spoofing all the James Bond movies. That's my number nine. I put The Lost World in at number eight. When I first saw it, it probably wouldn't have made my top 10. This movie's really grown on me over time, and it really fits in real well with all the other films. And a great, great director uh, at the helm still with Steven Spielberg, who does some wonderful set pieces for that movie. Not as good as the first, not as good as Jurassic World, but it may be the third best in the series, and it's a really fine film. My number uh, seven is, um, you know, you got Harrison Ford on a plane as the president. Boy, we could all use Harrison Ford as a president, but a great action great. flick, Air Force One. Um, as he, you know, basically does his, you know, action role on a plane. We always like thrilling airport movies and all that stuff. And this reminded me of one as well. Great villain in, in, in uh, Gary Oldman and, and some really good stuff. And, and a catch. I mean, they were still doing catchphrases. Get off my plane, Chuck. Uh, that was a, a catchphrase, one. you know, it, it, and, and uh, they don't do that anymore either. They don't create these catchphrases that seem to last through the years. And my number six is maybe the best mafia movie that isn't a godfather for Al Pacino. And that's Donnie Brasco, maybe the most mainstream and best role Johnny Depp for me has ever played. Um, coming after what just happened this last few weeks. I would agree. Donnie I would Depp. agree. It's higher on my, it's higher on my list. I, I was thinking in retrospect when I putting this list together, of, you know, Johnny Depp clearly has issues playing regular people. This was his best. So yeah. He's a person. Just a yeah. person. Yeah. And a real good understated role for Al Pacino, too. There's no who was in this. And, and, and what it is, it's, it's intimate storytelling, not on the scale of The Godfather or even Goodfellas, but it fits into that universe in a very – it's a film you have to respect. It's really good movie-making, start-turn, excellent character development, people you get involved with, yep. you care about these characters, and uh, – 
And Anne Heche is good in this movie, too. She is. And Michael Madsen is, too. I mean, there's some real good character roles in this. So my 10 through 6 is yes. Contact, Austin Powers, The Lost World, Air Force One, and Donnie Brasco. Any other thoughts on the top 10 so far? Uh, no, I, I mean, it's a, good, it's a good list. Here, Here's my number 10. I went with Francis Ford Coppola's The Rainmaker. Um Decent flick, yeah. I, I think uh, I, I like I like the casting. I like I think Matt Damon and Danny DeVito are really good in it. It it it, it uh, it's just storytelling. It's it's they don't do storytelling like this in feature in features that make money that make money. This movie was a hit. It deserved to be. Danny DeVito is really good in it. So is Matt Damon. Uh, it's very involving. Uh, it makes you think. And uh, it's that was in a but it turns it very well. And that was an original script by uh, John Grisham, not one of his books. He wrote that uh, strictly for the screen. So that, that is of note. Good one. Uh, number nine, I went with Dante's Peak because I just enjoy it. And I, it's, a, it's a short movie with casting that has good chemistry in Pierce Bronson and Linda Hamilton. And it's one of the movies, Mike, I, it has rewatchability for me. Like I could watch this movie once a year and like it a lot. And if anybody's wondering, that was the year of competing um, volcano movies instead of asteroid movies. So that was the year the volcano yes. came out as well. And I like that movie too, That's but watchable. I like Dante yeah. better. Yep. Uh, I, I put Lost World at number eight. I think it's uh, it's different than dark. Jurassic Park. Uh, it's darker, but it, it has a really nice turn by Jeff Goldblum as Ian Malcolm. Um, and we were talking about I think, this. I think, I think the set pieces are really good. And we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, how, you know, the staying power of Vince Vaughn in this movie is really there, too. Don't be surprised that he actually has some real good scenes in this film, even though he kind of gets forgotten about in the last half hour of the film. He's really good with the rest of the cast. Why not bring him back for Jurassic World Dominion? I thought that, but, that would have been that would have been cool. That would have been fun. Or even Julianne Moore. Even Julianne Moore would have been kind of cool, too. Why not? You know? Yeah. I mean, they got, the, they got the budget to do it. My number seven, I, I went with Connor. Um... I just find it an extremely enjoyable action movie that has, again, tremendous repeatability when it comes on cable. It's like one yeah. of those movies I'm changing. Oh, it Con Air. Like, I'm hooked. I'm hooked. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and Nicolas Cage is, is playing a person of simplicity. But, you know, his connection, the hook of the movie has got to get back to, to the love of life and, and his girl. And, and that works among the mayhem. Um, would I regard it as a classic it's like a classic action movie. Fringe, yeah. fringe classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's higher on my list, my so I agree. Six, my, num my, my number six, I went with uh, the Kurt Russell, uh, Kathleen Quinlan. Breakdown? Uh, breakdown. Yeah, yeah, I like the movie a lot. I think I think it's very mature. I, again, this is not the type of movies they make now theaters, but it's very mature. It's smart. It's involving. It hooks you. And good villain. Russell's awesome in this movie. Good villain. Uh, JT Walsh, good villain. Really good villain. Yes. Um, so my number 10 through 6, Rainmaker 10, Dante Speak 9, Lost World 8, Con Air 7, Breakdown 6. Well, I, I, all due respect, I do love um, uh, Breakdown. It, it didn't make my list. I, I think my 10 is a little too strong for that. But I do love that movie. And anything Kurt Russell's in, I'm going to like. And Con Air will lead me into my number five. Uh, that is my number five movie, Chuck. And this was basically his 
you can call it his uh, his Las Vegas trilogy. He did a honeymoon in Vegas, leaving Las Vegas, and he did one more in Vegas. And I thought that was a nice twist at the end to have him landing on the strip. This movie's a heck of a lot of fun. Very rewatchable, which I just did a few weeks ago as well. You know, John Malkovich is a villain. Uh, but really, the, the hook of this movie is, like you said, it's, it's a character that actually has some sort of um, realism and heart to him outside of some of the stuff he does. But you really care about his character and where he's going to go in this. And you can understand why he would have gotten mistaken to being one of these villains on the, uh, one of these bad guys on the plane. Um, and, and much like great action films that we've liked in the past, like Die Hard and, and, and things of that nature, some people might complain there's too many characters sometimes. I think, you know, when you add the likes of John Cusack and Steve Buscemi, um, these, these characters add layers in moments in movies that really work. You know, you, you've got two hours and plus movie of a movie. It can't all be Nick Cage. Um, even Michael T. Williamson and Rachel Ticketon. They've got some yeah. Danny Trejo. I mean, there's layers upon layers of, of characters in this movie. Ring Reigns, that they all have their moments of. Even uh, David Chappelle, I mean, he's got a, a small role in this film. I, I think that's what makes this movie work even better um, is because there are a lot of peripheral characters that make you laugh, that make you cheer. Uh, I mean, Steve Buscemi singing, me... I've got the whole world in my hands. I mean, that's a hysterical movie moment. I agree. Uh, let me ask you a question. Would you would you rather would, would you rather be in a movie that won the Oscar for Best Picture like The Artist, right? That nobody cares about anymore, or would you rather be involved in a movie like Con Air, where generationally people enjoy the heck out of it and they absolutely to the end of time? Well, not only that, but um, if you look at Nicolas Cage too, would you rather sit down for two hours and watch Leaving Las Vegas again, or would you rather sit down for two hours and just watch mindless entertainment like Con Air and really bring right. back some I'll great me, memories? You know, so take me some mindless entertainment that all the time. People, now, that's what they want. Yeah, yeah I, I, I totally one hundred and ten percent agree. So Con Air is my number five, and it's a no doubter too. Uh, my number five, I, I did pick Air Force One. And, you know, when you when you brought up uh, Harrison Ford with that line, like it flashed in my head. You, think about this, because like, you, if you make a comparison, I know it's not a good comparison, but a little bit. Stallone and Harrison Ford. Right. So mm -hmm. Stallone has Rocky and he has Rambo. Right. And then and then Harrison Ford has Indiana Jones and Han Solo. Oh, right. Yeah. So uh, Stallone got his cliffhanger. In a lot of ways, this is Harrison Ford's cliffhanger. It's a great movie. Extremely well done. Terrific. He's awesome. So there's a power, I think. Yeah, and it's uh, well directed by Wolfgang Peterson, too. He does a great job um, in this film. Uh, Very yeah, well. I see, I see that. I would, I would also add that. Obviously, Harrison Ford's got his IMDb page is a lot more substantial than Sylvester Stallone's. But I get what you're saying. Um, no, I, I, I know. I, I get I get I get. But it's hard. It's hard to get involved in movies and be this popular. Uh, well, after doing twice, you know, let's Harrison Ford the president and hope movie home run. Not easy, though. No, it's not. And and what helps is the fact that it's Harrison Ford, right? Anybody else doing this role? I mean, he's Harrison Ford being Harrison Ford as the president. So it's not, it's, it's a lot of uh, action acting that he had to do, but it always works with Harrison Ford. I know you're not a fan of Patriot Games, but it's the same reason he worked at Jack Ryan. I mean, all these movies make sense for, for him because he could actually add, you know, some pathos and gravitas to a basically an action hero type movie. It's because it's Harrison Ford. He was He's Tom Hanks of action movies. You know, he's just, you put him in a movie, you're going to automatically Great. like him. 
Uh, now another guy similar. You put a you put Michael Douglas in a movie, especially in this time frame. He brings a certain type of character to every one of his films, whether it be Black Rain, you know, Fatal Attraction, the Disclosure. But for me, The Game might be one of Michael Douglas's best movies, Chuck, and that's my fourth favorite movie of 1997, wonderfully directed by David Fincher, uh, a twist, uh, a cat and mouse twist of a movie. You never really quite know what's going on. Some might say the, the, the merits of believability towards the end of this film, it gets a little bit out of hand. But at that point, you're so invested in the film and this character. It's so well done by David Fincher. And Sean Penn's got a nice little role in this, too. Um, just you know, Fincher can really direct Chuck. He can tell a story. He can put you in a time and a place. And in this case, it's San Francisco in a, what could be a make-believe game that is make-believe or it's real. Someone's trying to kill Michael Douglas. This movie had me guessing the whole time, Chuck. Um, and Michael Douglas is so good in the lead. I love the game. Uh, I can watch this over and over again, even knowing how it's going to turn out. I, I, I love the, you know, this is early in David Fincher's career as well. Right. Um, this is the first movie he did after Seven, and I thought it was every bit as fun and good and well-directed as Seven as well. The Game is actually one of my probably underseen movies here that people should probably go back and just take a look. Now, was this made – I remember seeing this in the theater. I liked it. I didn't love it. But I, was it made for a mass audience? I guess that's my first question. It's hard to say. I mean, you do have Michael Douglas as a lead, and in the time, no, he, I know, I get he that. He was pretty bankable at, at the time. Um, did, did, did it work? Did it work for? Did it work for a mass audience? That's my question. That's, um, my that's question. a great question. I don't know. Um, yeah. it, it's hard to say. Uh, I don't think it made a lot of money. It didn't make a ton no, of. No, it money. did not. Um, I, it, it, yeah. Probably the answer, the really quick answer to your question is no. It's not the type of movie that normally Main Street audiences would flock to, keep going you know, back to over and over again. The problem with a movie like this is you don't go back to see it again um, because you know the part of the fun of it um, is the fact that you don't know what's going on. And once you know what's going on, you know, what's the point? But it came out in September after Labor Day. Part of the, you know, kind of got buried in there, you know, um, but I, every, every part of it I love um, so much so that it's on my list. Uh, good pick. Uh, my number four, I went with uh, pretty much a chalk pick. As good as it gets, Jack Nicholson, Hell Hunt. I thought they played off each other beautifully. It's, it's one of Nicholson's really good roles. He's had so many. But uh, she brought the A game, and, and she showed in this film, Helen Hunt, that um, she's as good as anybody in film at that and, time. And Jack won an Oscar for this, right? I think he won, he did. didn't he? Yeah. And, and she did she too. Right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And Greg Kinnear was nominated. I mean, um, pretty big, pretty, 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 and he's really good in this movie. Also, pretty big age difference, no doubt. But um, she, she, uh, she, she'll put her hands in mud with anybody in that business in terms of mano y mano acting chops. She was really good. Yeah, it just it's a little confusing. It's a bit of a head scratcher her career a little bit, but um, James L. Brooks directed that as well. Didn't quite make my list. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a tad bit overrated. His character's not very likable in it much, um, so it's hard to sit there for two and a half hours with a character like that. But obviously, when you got him in it, you're in good shape. And uh, uh, and you know, it came out around Christmas time too. I remember, um, and I was all about Jackie Brown more at the time than I was as good as it gets. And Jackie Brown almost made my list too. So I, I, I did like it. Um, I thought it might've been a little bit overrated. That's all. Uh, only because his character, I couldn't, I couldn't connect with. 
My number three, Chuck, and good year for Nick Cage. And we talked about this movie a lot, but the best movie of the summer might have been Face Off, uh, which came out him and John Travolta. And I think we've raved about this ad nauseum with John Woo directing. Um, just the great performances from each of them. Great action scenes. Everything's good about this film. Always keeps you go. And it's never boring. Um, it's never it's nonstop. And two of the best performances you'll ever see in action movies. Um, you don't even know who to root for. These characters, are, these actors are so good at changing characters. You're like, well, should I be rooting for Nick Cage here or, or John Travolta? I, I don't even, you know, that's how good this movie is. It keeps you guessing. And so much, so much great action scenes as well. This is a John Woo at his A game, no doubt about it. I got to be honest. I'm going to go with 4A because of 4B because I, 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 for some reason, didn't put it on my list. Listen, this, this is a perfect film. Like, this is a perfect Perfect acting, perfect execution. I remember seeing this in the theater for the first time and being blown away how good this movie was. I mean, this movie is a perfect, a perfect movie. Uh, it's got everything and and two act at the top of the game at the time. And the way they they're able to like you 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 root for one and the other's a villain. Yeah, and they flip that's them what I'm saying. And yeah, the, it's and crazy. Have, right, and you have the same reaction. That's rare to do. That is not easy to do. So. Yeah, I'm gonna cheat a little. Put and put eleven for my ten. Uh, I, I love this movie. Did you? This is uh, a great movie. Did you make enough room for Speed Two Cruise Control? Is that what you want to have an extra one? Is that what you did there? Uh, no. Uh, did you? Did you want to make? Know, I was reading Batman, about, we'll talk Batman, about and about two. Batman and Robin. You wanted to make room for that. I mean, that was a big summer hit too. No, because it, 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 my two one a great movies. Donnie Brasco is my. Number three, you know, actually changing the channels the other night and caught this on the Paramount Network, and uh, it hooked me. Like it really hooked me. That's and I good. Was like, it's such a good movie. It's just, it's just good. Here's the thing: I any movie, obviously, when they when they they a lot of times, especially back then, you know, they saw with a star. Who's going to star? Let's create a star vehicle, right? But at the end of the day, it always starts with story. Is this story worth telling? And Donnie Brasco is definitely a story worth telling. It is a good story. And a really good feature. I, it's hard to argue. There's no doubt about it. It's a little bit lower on my list, but uh, a fantastic film. Uh, well done. And again, I can't uh, understate how understated Al Pacino is in this film. And that's what makes him so good. People forget that he can do low, low profile, low energy parts. And still might, might be his last one, though, right? Like after that, he went just bonkers. He just went crazy. Yeah, once a I Senate still cannot believe. I still cannot believe he was in Jack and Jill with uh, <laughs> uh, with with uh, Adam Sandler. I still cannot believe he did that. But okay, I, I can't. Now, Chuck, I will. We both know Titanic's my number one. But in another year, Boogie Nights would be an easy number one film of That's all my time. Two and one. Yeah, Boogie. Let's talk Boogie. Let's talk Boogie Nights. Yeah. I mean, uh, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, obviously Marky Mark. This this movie is to porn of the '70s what Goodfellas is to mafias movies. This movie is so well done by Paul Thomas Anderson. And, and, and let's be honest, it's a great subject matter. For it is a well done movie. And and he, he just in Burt Reynolds, my lord, he came back big time. Big time. And even Mark Wahlberg's really good in this from John C. Riley. Uh, you know, everybody's great. But Paul Thomas really Anderson, it's it's still his Mona Lisa. I like his other film. But for this, this is as close as he ever gotten yes, to Martin Scorsese. I agree 100%. And, and also Heather Graham is role, Heather is role. Heather Graham, I mean, yeah. This movie is really fantastic. But a terrific guest and a story that is just so interesting to watch. 
and it, it's uh, it never gets boring. It, it interweaves three different decades of what's going on, the transition to video for the porn industry and what it meant to certain actors and uh, and, and what this struggle of Dirk Diggler who only wanted to be a star and the big reveal at the end of the film too, how he uses music, how he uses action. Um, great. Ray suspense. Music, Ray music. And, and it's seen towards the end where Don Cheadle's in the donut store and Burt Reynolds is making the movie in the limo. And, and these let's other be honest, if people like you, you made the comparison to mafia, you could easily see how people get sucked into that uh, underworld, right? Absolutely. Yeah. People get sucked into this industry because it, it, it one it, it 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 deals with two things that people enjoy one is sex and, and money right so money. you could see how you could get sucked into it so it's a really good uh it's and, a really and, good story to tell and a good and, subject and the effects of celebrity too people want to be stars that's another part of it as yes, well absolutely uh and and that's what draws these people in but just uh uh, to me, I just remember sitting in the theater and the last scenes of with Alfred Molina in that car with the little Japanese guys throwing the firecracker. I mean, I jumped every time they jump. It's so well directed using the 80s songs like Jesse's Girl and Sister Christian. I mean, it is uh, it is a perfect film. And again, in another year that Titanic wasn't made, it, it would easily be a number one. And it's another thing is, Chuck, very rewatchable. Um, for, for its, uh, for its length of, uh, the running time length, it's still very rewatchable and a lot of fun characters in this. It's funny. It's heartbreaking. It's got good action in it too. There's so many good things about this film. I can keep going on and on and on about it. And we should add Julianne Moore does a great star performance in this as well. We didn't bring her name up. Um, Chuck, I mean, is there anything we could say about the 25th anniversary of Titanic that we haven't talked about this film in the past. I mean, John Cameron's masterpiece, it is in easily a top five movie yeah, of all time. Um, yeah. it, it's just, uh, there's so many things that we've raved about this movie. Is there something we haven't brought up about how great this film is? Probably not. Uh, I, I tell you why I love this film so much because it, it, it mixes. I love the, I always, I just love the way, they mix two different things. It builds as a love story. These two characters, very appealing actors connect. And then it takes these, these fictional characters and brings them into an historic event. And then the budget takes over and the action sequences. It's a very, very unique, big budget, high concept film that I really wish they would make more of. I mean, I know in a lot of ways, Michael Bay tried to, do that with Pearl Harbor Oof. doesn't work to the same effect, obviously. Oh man, uh, I don't dislike that film, by the way. But I mean, it's no Titanic. But this type of concept to me has tremendous power. Doing it the way he did it, and um, I, you know, I love the movie. What can I it, say? Well, it's so great. Even the Academy couldn't ignore James Cameron, right? A Tom King of the world. I mean, I'm sure they cringed a bit when they had to give him the best director because. Yeah, was, let me ask you a question. Out of every first place vote for best picture, if there were, let's say, out of uh, the first hundred, how many think went to Boogie Nights? Out of well, you gotta remember, I'm, I'm assuming it got 20 percent, 25 percent. Well, you no. got to remember, too, L.A. Confidential was out as well. And I know critics yeah, love that. Stuff. That got a lot of votes, yes. too, I would think. Um, it's a really good movie. But it goes to show you, though, how the Academy was different. They couldn't ignore Titanic. Nowadays, no. you know, Titanic, you know, we, we talk about 
State Private Ryan and how it got screwed out of uh, yeah. you know all that stuff. And well, that the was the Weinstein effect. That's that was the Weinstein effect, and shame oh. on everybody that was involved with that. But if you think about yes. it, this the same thing happened to James Cameron's Avatar. Avatar, Avatar, Avatar made a ton of money. Uh, critics are loving it. He's you know great. All these great things, but the Hurt Locker, you know, that was another one of those trends. The Academy said, "Oh wait a minute, we've got a chance here to say." Hold on now, James Cameron. And I think they did that. I think it was like, we gave you Titanic. We're not giving you this one, too. Well, he didn't deserve it for, for Avatar. <laughs> he just didn't deserve it. I mean, I don't think that movie was very good. It's not bad, but it's not good. But I would say, I would argue that it's, I mean, I look, the Hurt Locker's good, but it, it, is, good, not, but it is not I, great. I, I agree, and that—that's where the industry started to turn. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, on the worm, meaning they gave best Oscars to pictures that were good, but really nobody's going to watch. Listen, Hurt Lock is a good film, but and it's interesting because my daughter just watched it in in film class not too long ago. But it's not a generational movie where people are going to say, "Boy, do you remember?" Let's watch the Hurt Locker. Yeah, uh, in 2022, it's just not going to happen. And I would argue it's not even a top 10 war movie uh, of all time. And it's good. Like, I know with all due respect, it is good. It's well-directed. Yeah, yeah. It's got a lot of great stuff with it. But um, it's, it's the not thing, the Godfather. No, it's not the Godfather, no. Uh, but, uh, you know, James Cameron um, definitely uh, earned every bit. You couldn't ignore how good that movie was. Um, and, and you had the Academy Awards. The one big note of that is Burt Reynolds didn't get – the, the, the recognition supporting actor was actually Robin Williams and Goodwill Hunting. I mean, if you had to compare the two performances, Chuck, it's a tough one to call. Um, but Robin took it for best supporting actor. But that's a, I mean, you talk about great head to head competition. That's a real good one. Very good. But I understand why Robin Williams won, though. He's very powerful in that film, too. And Kim Basinger won. And he's, and, and he's Robin Williams, too. And he's Robin Williams. He's going to give you a great speech, but get Burt Reynolds up on that would have been, you know, iconic. He did win the Golden Globe uh, back in the day, too. I I agree. Listen, as a Burt Reynolds fan, I remember watching the Oscars. I wanted Burt Reynolds to win. Yeah. I mean, I like Robin Williams a lot. But here's what I hate about the Academy or the vote. I cannot stomach when, like, the the one actor Burt Reynolds wins all the pre Oscar awards, right? Yeah. And then he loses the Oscar. It's like yeah. go screw yourself. Like you gotta be kidding. Like why do that? I don't understand. Because you know it's the same people voting. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem to make too much. The sense. SAG is the same. The SAG and the Oscars the same people. Uh, and Chuck, it, it it was a really good year of movie making, nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. You know, the, the, you you talk about Goodwill Hunting. I mean, we get introduced to Matt Damon and Ben Affleck really for the. For, you know, they become stars from this year. Uh, the Full Monty was a huge hit as well. That that turned a lot of heads. Um, you know, you also had m- a big popular uh, Julie Roberts movies, My Best Friend's Wedding, and Jim Carrey had a movie out, Lie a Liar. So it, it was a pretty big movie at the box office, and it gets back to, you know, it's not like it used to be. There's no doubt about it. Real quick, it, does Maverick have enough staying power to be one of the 10 nominated? Yes, I think it will be. Wow, you're I just do. You're, all right, I, I hope you're I, right. I do, I do because I think it's this is it's really an important movie for the industry right now, and it's quality. It's good. Audiences like it a lot or love it. Um, it's it's making money for theaters. It, it it checks off a lot of dots of why it should be remembered come Oscar time. 
Yeah, but it doesn't have a, a woke message in it or any woke characters or anything like that. To, so Too bad. Yeah, <laughs> I agree 110%. All right, Chuck, we'll do this all over again. Always fun. Oh, let's go through our 10 through uh, number one real quick before we go. Here's my uh, top 10 from 97. Contact, Austin Powers, The Lost World, Air Force One, Donnie Brasco, Con Air, The Game, Face Off, Boogie Nights, and my number one, of course, is Titanic. My number 10, Rainmaker. Number nine, Dante's Peak. Number eight, The Lost World. Number seven, Con Air. Number six, Breakdown with Kurt Russell. Number five, uh, Air Force One. Number four, As Good As It Gets. With um, honorable mention as number four, also Face Off, because I, I, I botched that one. Number three, Donnie Brasco. <laughs> number two, Boogie Nights. Number one, Titanic. Always a pleasure, Mike. To the audience again, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Movie Maniacs. Download one of our archived episodes. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts by Federated Media.